I'm Berna, a certified sex educator tackling topics at the intersection of health, culture, and sexuality. I'll answer questions ranging from the health-related to the raunchy. I want to show that we are all more alike than we might think, and our intimate lives don't begin and end in bed. This is Beyond the Bedroom. Welcome to Beyond the Bedroom. I have some exciting announcements. Uh, First of all, my Instagram has been reinstated. It is a little bit bittersweet, of course, because I shouldn't have been deleted in the first place, yada yada, you know the story. But they did apologize, they did give it back. So I'm back at Bierna, B-B-I-R-N-A. I'll link it, I'll, you know, you know the drill. I'll link it in the description. Uh, But yeah, it, it... Turned out pretty great, this new podcast episode style that I'm doing, where I do a poll on my uh, at Beyond Bedroom podcast Instagram story. I ask my audience uh, some intimate questionnaires, and in the future I'll also have some open-ended, but I wanted to start with the traditional poll-type questionnaire. Um, And this week I talked about another kind of mix of hot topics from uh, go-to moves for oral to mismatched libidos, medications that affect arousal, a little bit of a mixed bag. But I did focus more on uh, partner intimacy than usual, which, you know, is always a hot topic. (laughs) Uh, And here I am to give my personal takes and go over the results all of the questions this week had a overwhelming response in one direction or the other. Um, there weren't really, I don't think there were any that were tied, which is very interesting. And I also want to mention my little disclaimer, like I always do. Uh, this is about a sample size of like 200 to 400 people, depending on how many people vote um in my smaller account in the past i had you know up to like 800 to a thousand votes but this is in no way indicative of a real study this is not sex research this is my audience and uh people who listen to a podcast about sex and follow a sex educator are probably going to be a little bit more open about sex and they might also uh, already have tried some of these methods and solutions and and are grappling with things so That being said, you know, take these things with a grain of salt, but uh, here are the results. So the first question I asked is, do you have go-to moves for oral sex? Uh, And I meant giving, and I put a little disclaimer in my story. So 77% of you said yes, and 23% said no, um, that they couldn't relate to that. And... It is interesting to me because, uh, you know, this is around like 200 people uh, that voted in this one, which is amazing. And I've hit like 500 followers on that little account. So uh, it's pretty good engagement. I'm happy about it. So um, if you know me in real life and you don't want to listen to me talk about how I give head, just skip ahead a couple minutes um, because I'm going to be getting into a little bit of a nitty gritty details. But depending on the situation, I I do have some sort of go-to if it's my first time with that person. I'll try a variety of different things until I get, you know, the best reaction. And I know some moves that people with penises like. And um, I teach a class on penis pleasure, which has like tips for blowjobs, handjobs, etc. 
And uh, some that I always teach are the swirling of the tongue around the head of the penis or the frenulum, pressing behind their balls, which is the base of the penis actually. It extends pretty far down there. Uh, and don't press super hard, just apply a little bit of pressure. Uh, and you can do this while you cup the balls. <laughs> and it's super common for a lot of people to uh, use one or two hands in a twisting motion while connected to your mouth. If you could see me, I should probably start recording these podcasts because as I'm talking, I'm doing the twisting motion in the air like I'm giving a ghost hand job. <laughs> but um, yeah, this twisting motion is especially great if somebody is on the larger side and you don't have to twist. You can also just connect your hand to your mouth, which is, you know, very common and classic. But it's great if someone's on the larger side and you want to protect your throat. I also do want to mention that uh, there are these like double-ended stroker things. There's some that vibrate. There's some that just are like, they kind of feel like stress balls. Um, I know that Loste sells one from the company Boners, which I, I don't know if that's a UK only brand. Tenga probably has some if you're in the US. Uh, but those are great, especially if someone's on the larger side to use, uh, they're probably called like hand job strokers, but to use them like connected to your mouth. If someone's on the larger side, this is really great. Just put a little bit of lube and warm it up. And then you can use it, uh, in place of your hand if you can't wrap your hand around fully. Um, and I think this is like, I, I love it. I know people talk about like the grapefruit video all the time. This is like a safe alternative to that. Love it. Um, and to be honest, I love being a queer sex educator because I have personal sexual experiences also going down on people with vulvas, which, okay, like, you don't need to have all this experience to be a good sex educator. Don't come for me. I'm just saying I like that I can personally test things out and uh, talk from my own experience for both things. So, um, I'll admit I have less of a go-to routine here. Mostly I have like go-to approaches. So of course I start gentle because some people barely feel things like on their labia and clitoris and some people it's just way too much if you go straight into the clit. Um, and everyone has different nerve sensitivity and clitoral sensitivity. So I don't just dive right in and put pressure on the clit. That's like a go-to approach of mine. I like to kind of warm up the area, so to speak. And I, you know, like incorporating fingers, of course, but um, a go-to kind of thought process for me is that uh, I wait until I can see or feel the labia kind of protruding. Is that the, the right word for it? Um, is that even a good word for it? Uh, but yes, the vulva has erectile tissue too. Uh and if you're using your tongue, you might even feel that pulsing. So that's like a good time. Um, I don't like putting my fingers in until that the person is really ready uh, for that. And I, I can kind of feel those things starting. Side note, uh, I love doing that classic, everyone talks about it, that slow kind of come here motion. I mean, it, it can be fast too, but that come here motion and it's a classic for a reason because so many people like it. Some people really hate it. They don't like their urethral sponge slash G-spot uh, being touched. But some people love it. Um, and some people squirt when you do it. And some, I mean, I'll talk about squirting at a different time. But anyway, uh, I have 
pulled out someone's Nuva ring before doing this. And it was like a mix of them having a low cervix and they kept asking for more pressure. So now whenever I hook up with someone who has a Nuva ring, I have this like, I can't help it. Like I just like pull away because I'm so worried about taking it out. And oh, the last time I hooked up with a girl, she had a Nuva ring and I was putting my fingers in there and she was enjoying it. And then I felt the Nuva ring and I was like, <gasps> and I like pulled out and I feel so bad about it. If you're listening to this, I'm rubbing my head. That's why you can hear this. <laughs> if you're listening to this uh, and you know who you are, I'm sorry. I promise I'll do better if there's a next time. Uh, we're obviously in different countries now, but uh, you know, it happens. I'll work on it. I'm not afraid of Nuva rings. I promise. Anyway, by the way, that's not like a common thing. So if you have one, don't worry. Uh, It's just sex educators have weird stuff too, just like everybody. Um, But yeah, I also want to mention that uh, somebody in my DMs said that their go-to move that they swear by is sucking on the clit. And I love doing that, but there's a caveat. Of course, like with everything, um... I think what they they mean is like when you suck on it and then you do that tapping motion of the tongue too, kind of like a uh, suction toy kind of feeling. But uh, I only do this after I've been down there for a while or, you know, this isn't my first time with this person uh, just because I feel like it's a divided move. I don't know. Some people love it. Like I, I remember I did that to somebody and they had an orgasm that was like so strong Um, their legs were on my shoulders and they were like shaking so violently I thought they were gonna kick me in the head and that was I was like wow okay I should do this to them more often but then another person um, I was doing that and they were getting frustrated because they prefer circular motion and kind of that two finger pressure on the clip so you know to each their own and I guess my go-to for everyone is just asking if they like it if they want more Um, because I, I kind of prefer being in the moment and acting on impulse and connection rather than following a routine. And I get that some people focus better when they have a routine or their go-to moves, but I encourage everybody to check in always. So even if you have this go-to, um, check in with them, see if they like it. And if you're doing kind of the same routine, also you, you have a partner and you're doing the same routine, like every single time, just switch it up. I mean, even if you know, it, it's a home run, um, just switch it up and see if they might want to incorporate something new. Variety is the spice of life and no two blowjobs I've ever given have been identical, much like snowflakes. So That was a joke, by the way, Uh, but I think it's true. Um, You know, it's like you can't do it identical every time because people will get bored. Um, I don't know. Maybe some people like that. I don't know. But anyway, have you ever moaned louder because it turns you on? So not talking about if it turns on the other person or, you know, um, but some people moan louder than they maybe feel because it's hot to them. And 89% of y'all agreed. Only 11% said they couldn't relate to that. Um, Which, by the way, there's no wrong answers here. Uh, Some people don't like that. That's totally cool. Anyway, audio can definitely be a huge erotic tool. And that's why, you know, I'm producing erotic stories for Loste and 
apps like Dipsy are so popular. And if you don't know Dipsy, this is not sponsored at all. I just, I really like what they're doing and I like their inclusivity with their erotic stories. Um, you can uh, search them. I'll put them in the show notes for this episode. And there is some science behind this and I'll do a write-up on the research, um, but I mean, you hardly need to read it to believe it, right? We find auditory signals of pleasure to be hot. We're pretty much wired that way. And then there's also social factors that go into that. And on a personal note, I do this for sure. Uh, obviously, I mean, I have a, I have two podcasts and I love talking. I talk a lot. Uh, it would only make sense that I make a lot of noise in bed, right? But I feel like, um, I mean, I don't fake it, of course. I mean, hello. But uh, sometimes I just make a little bit more noise than what I truly feel because it just makes the situation hotter to me. Um, Especially like also, I know some people mentioned this. They were like, sometimes I moan while giving. And I was like, yes, like if you're going down on someone and you're moaning because you're like showing them that you're loving it too, you're like super interested in it, that can be so the, so hot, so hot for people. But anyway, uh, you know, I want to signal what, uh, you know, I'm feeling it. I'm truly enjoying what's happening. And maybe the fact that I'm enjoying it it makes me even happier. I don't know. There's some psychology behind this. <laughs> uh, but of course, there is also a lot, uh, kind of unfortunately, a lot of discourse surrounding this one. And uh, not necessarily like in my DMs, but as a sex educator, I see a lot about this and I read a lot about this, especially with moaning. Uh, some people say that it's solely due to the porn industry standards. But, you know, if you look back in history, there have always been names specifically in many languages and cultures around the world for the sounds that people make specifically during sex or an orgasm, right? We talk about like the O face too and the moans. Um, and there have been jokes about the neighbors knowing your name before you're introduced for ages. And sure, you know, the idea that porn influences our inner performer isn't a crazy idea, and I talk about that all the time, but I think that in this case, I wouldn't blame it on that because I also don't think that there's necessarily anything to find fault or blame. Um, some people, like I said, like with the giving or the receiving, they're just creating a situation that helps them stay aroused or get more aroused. And you know, it, some people say that if you're moaning louder on purpose, then you're not staying present or you're faking your pleasure. But I mean, I, I think I disagree. I respectfully disagree with that because I know uh, that this is, you know, kind of very unlike me to say this, right? But I don't think it's that deep. I really don't. And if if what you're doing is turning you on even more, just embrace it. Some people prefer to be completely quiet and that's really hot to them. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're repressed, right? I think if you are moaning and it's not just to turn yourself on, but you feel like you're performing that, it's not coming from a legitimate place, you should you know, reevaluate that and kind of look at your inner performer and see, am I receiving pleasure? Am I performing it? Because that's a good question, right? Same thing, like if you're really quiet and it's because you are afraid to make noise, if noise doesn't come naturally to you, but you want to, 
then try those things out too, right? I, I think there's really no rules in terms of what we allow ourselves to do or make noise in bed. Um, you know, I think there's also that that trope, right, of the one person who makes a lot of noise and the other one stays quiet. Um, and kind of side note, again, it's, it's pretty funny. There's uh, a trend online, like on Twitter and TikTok especially. Uh, it kind of comes and goes, but talking about um there was this there's like this thing where girls are like oh we don't want to see dick pics but send us a video of you orgasming with the sound on because they want to hear like that moan that like sigh and it's really hot and i think it's because it's just a signal that that person's enjoying themselves and that can be really hot to us obviously with consent don't send that to someone without asking obviously but um yeah, there's a reason people are like, sound on <laughs> for those videos. Uh, because I think it's something that a lot of people won't like admit, but they're more turned on by sound uh, than they think. So next question, uh, have you ever thought about someone else or another situation while you're intimate with someone to get or stay aroused? So two-thirds of you said, yeah, you have. 66% said yes, and about 33 said, uh, no, 34 said no. Um, so this one's a little bit controversial, right? Uh, because I think it, it also kind of delves into that ownership. Uh, it also delves into the porn discourse. I mean, there's a lot you can say about this one. Uh, but I'll admit this, I have, and sometimes it's intrusive thoughts, and sometimes it's just a thought that comes and goes because, um, you know, I'm already aroused, and for many of us during arousal, our thoughts might race, and sometimes it's a clip from a sexy movie or a random person that you have a crush on just pops into your head, um, you know, and I know many of my friends realized that they were queer <laughs> when they noticed how many times they were thinking about women to stay aroused during sex with their boyfriends. That also happens to people and it happens and you're not a bad person. That's just, you know, once we, once we kind of put that on the side, right? Like you're not a bad person if this, if you've done this. However, <laughs> right, the caveat as always here. If you have to constantly imagine other scenarios while having sex with the same person, it's probably an indicator that your chemistry isn't as strong anymore or something's going on, right? And sometimes saying fantasies out loud can be a really good way to get the ball rolling and incorporating new situations that you're thinking about or even just opening up the relationship. Uh, I think a lot of people start having these conversations when they notice you know what what they're thinking about during sex um and i of course i i shouldn't really have to say this but don't have those conversations mid-sex <laughs> those are outside those are beyond the bedroom conversations right my namesake but uh like i said sometimes our minds just show us images that could be relevant to the situation sometimes we get aroused by uh, images or thoughts that we don't want to be aroused by, but it's just a biological response. And the brain is like, this is sexually relevant. Here you go. Uh, you know, get aroused. 
and we're like, what? And then sometimes the opposite happens where we're aroused and then we'll randomly think of something because our brain is like, is this relevant right now? Uh, And we're like, no, go away. Or we're like, yeah, okay, I'll think about that. That's hot. And some people have that thought afterwards where they're like, what was going through my head? So all of these things are normal. Um, Some people suffer pretty badly from like intrusive thoughts and compulsions. And if that's, if you're falling into that category, I would definitely recommend you seeing a sex therapist. But, um, and if you notice that you need to think about stuff that you've seen in porn or it's frustrating you a lot during sex, it could be a good idea to take a break from erotic media for a bit and see if that helps you stay present. Um, sometimes people just, they form an emotional attachment or a compulsive behavior and it doesn't mean that porn is inherently bad, right? It's just like so many things in our world and people need to think critically and make choices that serve them the best. Some people just swear it off because it helps them stay present. Some people use it as a tool to stay present. I mean, it's one of those things, right? Uh, it's a really individual choice. If you want to support Beyond the Bedroom, I have a win-win for us both. Maud creates intimate wellness products with quality, simplicity, and inclusivity in mind. As my long-term followers know, I've been a customer of theirs since 2018, and it was actually suggested to me by some of my followers, so I was so thrilled when they gave me a code for my audience uh, a few weeks back. So you can use my code BIRNA10, that's B-I-R-N-A-10, for a discount. Uh, It's going to be in the show notes and the description of this podcast. I personally recommend the original vibe and the natural lube in the pump. I love it. Uh, I think it's called Shine Organic. And uh, you can use the discount code on those things or just on your entire purchase. They also have bath stuff, body stuff, candles. Um, It's the U.S. audience only for now. I'm sorry, but if you are in Iceland, check out Los de Puntres. That's uh, where I'm the in-house sex educator. I also asked my audience, have you ever been on medication that affects your sexual desire or arousal? And I made a little note that antidepressants are a common one. So uh, 68% said yes, and around 31, 32 said no, uh, that they haven't. And I'm going to be making an entire podcast episode specifically about SSRIs, common antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications um, and their effect on sexual desire. So I'm just going to briefly mention um, the hormones responsible largely for our sexual arousal are dopamine and norepinephrine. And oxytocin also plays a role, but it's a little bit later in the arousal process. But serotonin acts kind of like a buffer here. People often call it like the cock-blocking hormone. Uh, because it basically tells the body that there's no need to have sex at the moment. Uh, There's no need to get that arousal process going. So, you know, that's very simplified terms, and I will really be going into depth uh, about those things in a later podcast. But so many people on serotonin reuptake inhibitors feel the positive effects on their mental health due to that more steady serotonin stream, but they have a lot of trouble either feeling sexual arousal or the urge to act on their arousal 
or trouble orgasming. And this is also because SSRIs affect your nerve function. And so that's why some people that are on higher doses especially feel uh, that numbness either physically or emotionally while trying to get off. I know certain SSRIs are worse in these aspects and some are better. I know uh, there's more research coming out about this, but like Welbutrin is considered one of the better ones if you are sensitive to sexual arousal issues. I personally have been on SSRIs and they didn't affect my uh, arousal or ability to orgasm. Um, but I've also, I was on a different one like years ago. Um, I've only been on them for short periods at a time and I didn't have an orgasm for a couple months on that one. Uh, but that was a couple years ago and I was also on the birth control pill at the time. So there are other medications that can affect this and the pill is one of them. And people in my DMs said that the common ones for them were ADHD medication like Adderall, Concerta, um, and Ritalin. I know that Vyavance is one of the better ones because it kind of wears off quicker. It doesn't have that buildup. Uh, it, it's... Um, kind of works more with the gut enzyme to break it down but hormonal contraception specifically the birth control pill uh, hormonal replacement therapy and other vasoconstrictors for some people these can all have a an effect on your sexual desire and your arousal so uh, if this is something that's really really bothering you uh, just talk to your doctor i know that for some people it's unfortunate that they might have to pick between a better mental state or addressing a health concern or you know protecting themselves against pregnancy or reproductive illness or whatever and a sex life that they had before and for a lot of people they have a hard time grappling with that fact but you might need to redefine sex and intimacy overall in your relationship especially while you're on these medications and I think because we don't have those conversations enough, it's hard for people to imagine what that looks like. Uh, but while you're figuring that out, um, you know, I, I think that you should focus on other ways to stay intimate or get intimate with your partner uh, or with yourself also. If you're the kind of person who's like, I just miss like jerking off, like why can't I just get off? You might need to find other ways to release or maybe even more like mindful practices, just something to spend that time with yourself or your body. I know a lot of people turn to erotic self-massage. Uh, you can test those things out. And medications don't just affect our arousal. They can also affect our vaginal lubrication. So pills that affect your estrogen levels especially might uh, cause vaginal dryness and people taking certain allergy medications may notice decreased arousal fluid or even pre-cum for some people. Um, that's because it affects the mucous membranes. So um, if that's something that's happening to you, I totally suggest investing in a great lube. My favorites are uh, for water-based. I love Sliquid. I love Mod, of course, because um, <laughs> it comes in a pump too. Great. I like uh, Hydroglide um, or other ones with aloe. I know Dame makes a good one too if they're still making it. Uh, just something that's um, also Uber Lube if you like silicone lube. I personally don't love silicone lube, but if I do pick one, it's Uber Lube. Uh, those are my kind of top picks. I'll put them in the show notes as well. 
So look at you learning about my blowjob preferences and pharmacology all in the same episode. Look at us go. Another question that uh, had an overwhelming response was, have you ever been frustrated in a relationship by the mismatch of libidos? And 85% of you said yes, 15% said no. And I think if I were to do like an actual study, a, a larger sample size, <laughs> I would get a pretty overwhelming response as well. I mean, it's the reason why so many of us uh, engage in sex education content or just in the sex industry. It's because people often aren't getting their needs met or are frustrated by the lack of uh, being on the same page in their sex lives with their relationship partner. So, and it can be totally really frustrating. And being on an antidepressant or a medication that affects your uh, arousal is often a reason for mismatched libidos, like one partner starting a medication that affects their desire. So, and it's also going back to my last point, a lot of people in my DMs said, I started medication for my ADHD and the doctor didn't tell me that I, it might have sexual side effects. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't find it as important, but sexuality is a huge part of who we are as people. And of course, there are other reasons for mismatched libidos, right? Like resentment, different desire models, stress, general loss of interest, depression or anxiety, health concerns. Um, And a big one that we don't talk about as much is differences in sexual values. And... I have a lot of tips for this issue. It's like a big part of what I do as a sex educator. Uh, But here are my main two takeaways. The first one is get to know your desire models, both you and your partner. Uh, Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski is a great way to start learning about the desire model theory if you haven't read it already. Uh, But do a little bit more digging to... I want, I want people to explore their sexual temperament specifically, and I would encourage your partner to do the same because you might be surprised how much you can find solutions and how easily you can find those solutions when you know more about each other's gas pedals and brakes sexually, and you can also start to see like the root of the problem. So if one person is taking on a huge amount of responsibility in the home and the other person isn't, and that person who's taking on that responsibility might have a more sensitive gas pedal to stress and overwhelm, you can see how that can be immediately uh, the cause for mismatched libidos. Uh, And I'm not saying you have to look at yourself like a case study here, but just talk about it and have these conversations, do these sexual temperament quizzes, read the book together. You can listen to it on audio together even talk about it over dinner um you can also talk about it not putting yourself in those experiences and conversations so i know for a lot of people who deal with this for example just reading the book and discussing their findings in the book like reading the, the same chapter and then on fridays we talk about it can help uh getting used to those conversations about sex without it getting into defensive and personal territory. So definitely a great um, thing. Also, like if you want to watch media instead, I know Netflix has Sex Explained. That can be a good way if you want to watch an episode and then talk about it after. If the conversation doesn't come naturally to you, I mean, just watch a couple episodes and then say like, oh, like, what do you feel about that? 
it's a good way just to get the conversation flowing because it's a lot easier said than done to have these uh, conversations happen about your mismatched libidos without one person becoming really upset or defensive or sad or feel guilty. It's normal. So uh, another tip of mine is go to sex therapy, either alone or as a couple. Because if this is becoming a strain on other parts of the relationship too, you might need help redefining what sex looks like for you both or finding solutions. And if you're trying to save your relationship, that's a lot of pressure. So yeah, reach out to an asect sex therapist. Uh, there's a bunch of other really great sex therapists that aren't necessarily on the asect list, but uh, I definitely recommend looking there if you've never had experience with sex therapy before and you don't really know like what's normal and what's not with a sex therapist. The last question I asked my audience is a fun one. <laughs> Have you ever finished on your own after intimacy with someone else? And this is kind of also like making yourself orgasm in the bathroom afterwards, <laughs> which I think due to this overwhelming response yet again, 77% said yes and 23% said never. And listen, I know that many people might think like this is totally an off-limits thing to do, but this is why I don't want to shame this. I remember, especially as a teenager, hearing this horrible myth about blue balls that you're basically putting a guy in so much pain if you don't get him off. And my thing was, why can't he just go to the bathroom and jerk off if this is like some sort of crazy medical issue, right? So if you're really sexually frustrated and your partner has either said no or not consented in some kind of way, changed their mind, whatever, it's totally okay to go and masturbate on your own. Like, <laughs> it's okay. And I would prefer that over coercion or making someone feel guilty any day. But here's the other side to this, right? Um, people do this sometimes after they've faked an orgasm. Uh, people also do this because they don't want to admit to their partner that they really wanted to come and they didn't. And, you know, people also do this because uh, maybe because they are embarrassed about the fact that they didn't have an orgasm and their partner did and then the sex ended. I want to mention that sex doesn't have to end when one person orgasms. And I got a few DMs uh, from people who they self-identified as straight women saying, well, the sex stops when he comes, so what am I supposed to do? And, you know, in my case, throughout uh, my experiences, you know, he either keeps going without his penis involved uh, because sex for us is more than just penetration or if he's super tired because ejaculation does involve a large portion of your nervous system so it's normal to be a little wiped out after um you know he can hold me while i use a vibrator right sometimes orgasm isn't even necessarily the goal and i'm just kind of craving affection and connection uh so it's fine but um sometimes i just want to get off and that's okay and you know sex can look different depending on the day it can 
you know, sometimes you have a mutual orgasm, like at the same time, sometimes one person comes multiple times while the other person doesn't. And it's as long as you're okay with whatever is happening, but if you're not just be solution oriented. Right. Um, and if this is an embarrassing thought for you, like, uh, having an orgasm in front of someone after they've had one, um, try mutual masturbation. So, um, try you know you both are masturbating while maybe you're holding hands or laying right next to each other or like facing each other that's also a hot one um because you know if you if you feel like you can't fully receive pleasure even self-pleasure in front of someone consider also that sex doesn't have to be a performance and you are allowed to take up space i am giving you permission to take up space and if you feel like your orgasm is important in that moment give yourself permission to have one in front of your partner of course with their consent right and tell them how you feel and even just asking like can you hold me while i do this can be really intimate or really hot for a lot of people um you know and they can also help in other ways right like to be more explicit um, sometimes you can use a vibrator while a person fingers you after they've had, you know, they've ejaculated. Like it doesn't have to end for you. Like your pleasure doesn't end just because theirs did. And if they're open to continuing, um, you know, this can be a great way to do so. And it can be really hot for, like I said, so many people, right? Hands, bodies, mouths from both of you can be used. Rewrite the rules. All right. I think there's this like trope especially of like lesbian sex like never ending you know hours and hours which is a stereotype but I mean there's always a little bit of truth right so I think the reason why that is is because there's that idea that once someone with a penis ejaculates it's over for both people and biologically there's not really a reason to like, you know, unless, I mean, if you're, if you're really low, like on zinc or magnesium, or you're having some sort of like prostate issue, like I get that you might be like completely wiped out, but this is also why there's so many books, like specifically with like male audiences or penis owners, uh, that's like, she comes first. Um, but I mean, just take a look at like queer communities, right? You are solution oriented. You find out, you communicate, you do what's best for both people you make choices that serve yourself and others this is the what i mean by rewriting the rules so thank you so much for listening and if you like my content and want to support here are some ways you can sign up for my email list on my website birna.net it'll be in the description there you can also find my contact form the show notes for this podcast and uh, some news you can use my code birna10 at getmod. Uh, the link is also on my site. Check out my Patreon where I post in-depth analysis and classes every month. And if you're in Iceland, check out Lostepunteres. Um, I definitely recommend it. <laughs> I shopped there also before I worked there. Uh, but I'm the sex educator there. I'm there twice a week. Let me help you find a toy that you might love. Okay, thank you so much. I'm sending you all of my love from Iceland.